All right, I believe we're live. Welcome everyone to the um, Social Movements for Health webinar. I can see, thank you. Lots of people have actually chatted in that you're here. Wonderful. We'll be starting in a few minutes. Hi, everyone. Wonderful. So um, welcome to the webinar. We're here for the Social Movements for Health program. And um, we're about to get started here in about another minute. We'll wait for a couple more folks to join. All right, good afternoon, everyone. Um, we're here in the Social Movements for Health webinar. Um, thank you to so many of you that have already helped us troubleshoot. That was very helpful. Um, you wanted to introduce ourselves. I'm Jacqueline Del Castillo. I'm the Senior Program Manager on the Social Movements work at Nesta. Hello, I'm Damien Hebron. I'm Program Manager here at Nesta. Hello, I'm Sarah Allport. I'm the Director of Grants and Research for the Dunhill Medical Trust. And thank you to all of you who have um, joined. We have about 61 participants now and growing, um, but we're gonna get started. So um, first of all, we just wanted to go over our agenda. We're actually gonna be quite brief because we want this to be a chance for all of you to ask questions about the program. Um, so we'll start with a very short um, overview of Nesta and the Dunhill Medical Trust. We'll also talk about our history doing social movement work, as well as provide an overview of the program, leaving what we hope is about 40 minutes of time at least for all of you to ask questions. And to be able to get to as many of your questions as possible, we ask that you please send your questions in the chat window in the webinar. Um, so we already see many of you writing in and saying hello. So that's wonderful, very friendly. Um, so do feel free, um, we're going to be pausing at a few points throughout the presentation, um, just so that people, if you are carrying questions in your head, you can put them in the chat box. Um, and we'll be keeping track of questions as well. Um, we also have, um, we're looking here on Twitter. Um, so our hashtag is uh, health movers, all one word. So if you also want to tweet in your questions, we'll be seeing those as well. 
Great. Um, so to start, um, basically we are we are Nesta. We are an innovation foundation, and um, we support new ideas to tackle the big challenges of our time, as well as empower people to shape the future. Um, this is a picture of what we call our innovation spiral. So it represents the ways that we engage with new ideas from seeing new opportunities to sparking dialogue to shaping ideas and supporting their delivery to ultimately shifting the way an innovation works for everyone. And we're very um, proud within the health lab um, here at Nesta to be supporting the idea of people powered health. So um, social movement thinking and reality is at the heart, the very heart of what we do as um, we've been working for a number of years now to support a variety of activities across the country to promote a people-powered health system. And we're delighted to be working with the Dunhill Medical Trust on this new program that we'll be talking about today, which is Social Movements for Health. It's been such a joy um, to work together over the last um, couple of months together to shape this program, and we look forward to doing that in the future. And I'm going to pass this microphone along to Sarah. Hello, um, I'm Sarah Walport from the Medical Trust. The Trust is delighted to be collaborating with the Nesta Health Lab to fund, design and deliver a programme of activity which seeks to understand how community-based organisations influence positive real change and what constitutes good help for them to do so. For over 30 years, we have supported community-based organisations which are working to enhance the lives of those who need extra support in later life. We make grants to UK charities and community-based organisations who provide care, activities and services for older people. We particularly like to support projects that have the potential to scale up, share resources and experience with others and attract other sources of support. If anybody would like to know more about the Trust and the work we do, I can take some questions later on. Great. Um, we're seeing hellos from various people. Thank you, Ruth, Sarah. Um, so basically now we'll just jump into how we got into doing work on social movements. Um, I wanna first, before we jump into the history of social movements at Nesta, also acknowledge and recognize that there are a number of people um, in the health lab and at the Dunlop Medical Trust that individually have quite an extensive history of participating in social movements or serving as allies to them, for example, as um, institutional supporters. I might have been doing social movement work, but not even calling it that. So we want to recognize that language is obviously um, plays a big part into the work that we, we are doing. Um, we're lucky to have gotten involved in NHS England's Health as a Social Movement program back in 2016, when we became involved as a strategic partner with the RSA and the New Economics Foundation. Um, it was roughly a three-year program to support the spread of social movements originating from new care model vanguards across the country and um, had a chance to basically address um, some very challenging questions. The first of which is, of course, what is um, a social movement? Um, so the first piece of work that Nesta dove into as part of the program was responding to this question um, and surveying social movements um, mostly within the country, but also around the world to share the value that they've had on people's lives and in transforming health and care systems. 
Um, so as probably many of you know, there are hundreds of different definitions of social movements out there. It's a lot like the words innovation um, and transformation. Um, but we, we took a stab at um, creating a very simple definition of what we mean by a social movement, which we hope will help um, as you're thinking about applying this pro to this program, if it, if it is something that um, is for you. So a health social movement is a people-powered effort to promote or resist change in the experience of health or the systems um, which shape it. And um, after basically publishing a report on the subject, you can find more about all about the value of social movements in the first report, which is on the left, the power of people in movements for health. Um, we, we jumped into a second piece of work, um, which is all about learning from activists around the world. So we kept you know, hearing people ask in social movement meetings, what can we learn from other social movements such as HIV and AIDS? And our second report, which is called We Change the World, which you can also download on our website, shares insights from over 50 activists, um, their challenges, their victories, um, their stories. And it was um, just phenomenal and a privilege to be able to talk with so many people about their experiences of creating change um, through this way. And so, you know, what we learned primarily, we learned many things um, through that work and have had a chance to share and talk about that learning, many people. Um, but I think, you know, one thing that really stood out is that instead of asking what a social movement is, is asking how does it behave, how does it influence, and how does it go about changing what it aims to change. And so we really, this quote really resonated with us, that we cannot understand social movements unless we really understand how they spread and how they, they scale. Um, so just a very brief overview of that because it helps set some context for our program is that the spread of social movements often starts with some leaders, very powerful leaders and early members, um, but can sometimes fall into what we call this you know, cultural chasm where it fails to reach um, mindsets in the mainstream. Um, so a lot of our work has been about how do we actually cross this cultural chasm? Um, and there are many ways, of course, to do that. One way that we've focused on is looking at various strategies and tactics that many of the activists that we spoke to um, used and also recognizing that coming up with tactics actually is um, a practice that, that innovation can actually address um, being an innovation foundation. So there's lots of work being done on what's called tactical innovation and how groups actually share new ideas and borrow ideas from other social movements to, to make their own tactics more effective in the world. Another, um, a big theme within our learnings was also looking at institutional responses to social movements. Um, so this was a very interesting um, piece of work that was done by a researcher, um, Goldner in 1999, and she looked at the complementary and an alternative health movement in the United States and identified five ways that institutions respond to social movements and the behaviors associated with those, those ways and those strategies. And we thought this framework was extremely helpful because if social movements can identify how institutions are responding to them, they can better be prepared with the reaction and, and proactive strategy. So with this idea of you know, institutional responses to movements and um, being particularly interested in social movements' impact on health and care, you know, we started to explore how institutions and funding organizations such as Nessa and the Dunhill Medical Trust can best support social movements. And we're quite inspired by um, one of the quotes that we saw out there, which is that 
The people most affected by the issues drive movements, but the resources and partnerships of philanthropy can provide important fuel um, for their work. So we want to recognize um, that movements are very much led by people and that that very fact is going to require different ways of supporting them and emerging with them. So I'm now going to um, pass it off to Damien to talk about the program. But we wanted to just leave about 30 seconds to a minute that if you do have questions um, so far, feel free to, to go ahead and write them in the chat box. Hello, everyone. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, uh, yes, as Jackie said, my name is Damon Hebron. I'm a program manager here at Nesta, and I'm going to be looking after the practicalities of um, this program over the next year or so. Um, so thanks very much for your sending your questions in. Um, Jackie will um, start to answer some of them, but hopefully I'll address some of them in the um, presentation over the next few minutes. Um, and we should leave plenty of time for um, any further questions or discussion. So um, this is a new program. Um, and as Sarah and Jackie have outlined, it's um, something Nesta and the Dunhill Medical Trust are really excited to be involved with. Uh, essentially, it is about working with social movements that are interested in changing the way that the health behaviors and systems work uh, to grow their influence and together to increase their impact. Um, and we are very much, as Jackie previously spoke about the cultural chasm, we are very much interested in movements that have yet to make the step across that cultural chasm. So we're looking at early and emerging social movements that are interested in changing health. Um, just practically speaking, it's a 12-month program um, which runs from April 2019 to April 2020. And we're planning to support up to seven emerging social movements. Um, the movements will be supported in three main ways. Uh, first of all, they'll receive financial support, which is um, in the shape of a grant, usually between about £20,000 and £50,000 spread over the year. In the second way, they will receive uh, support that we will design with them. Um, we're expecting this to include, um, but not exclusively, uh, help developing tactics, working to build their movements, how they might connect with other social movements, but also really practical things like fundraising, um, de designing governance models, uh, communications, working on social media, a kind of range of practical support for the movements. Um, and thirdly, uh, we want them to work together as a cohort of social movements. And with them, we want to create opportunities for their movements to gain a higher profile and to increase in impact. So we will be um, developing new opportunities for them to, um, to reach their target audiences. Uh, crucially, the deadline for uh, social movements um, to send in an expression of interest is 10 o'clock on the 21st of December. So that's next Friday. So it is, um, it's a relatively short form to fill in. But the deadline is fixed and um, uh, we will expect any expressions of interest to be received by that time. Just to say a little bit about Nesta and the way we work as a funder. So <clears throat> Nesta um, offers a model which uh, we describe as high challenge, high support. Um, 
and by that we mean that we um, uh, are relatively focused in our funding and we offer um, a significant amount of support to the organizations and individuals that we fund. So um, we are an innovation foundation and so our, our, our whole ethos is about experimenting and trying new ways of working together. Um, we try to apply a coaching model, so we work with grantees um, uh, on the basis that they have the solution to um, the challenges they face and that we're here to facilitate that. And we believe in the power of cohorts. And so um, we will um, try wherever we can to work with grantees, not as just individual one-off um, relationships, but as a relationship uh, with right across all of the movements that we'll be funding. In terms of the non-financial support that we'll offer, um, this will be very much designed in partnership with each social movement. And we are expecting different social movements to require different levels of support and different types of support. Um, and we will be testing it over the course of the year. So we uh, have um, a, a group of experts and people with different experiences and people who have themselves been activists in social movements um, but also people who are ex experts in communications or in public relations or in different ways of campaigning. Um, and we will try to match together with the movements the right kind of expertise to support them. Uh, um, and the other thing to mention is that over the course of the year, we want to, uh, for ourselves, both Dunhill Medical Trust and Nesta, but also for the sake of uh, the wider um, uh, grant giving and funding community, to um, measure what works and, and what we learn over the course of the year in terms of um, uh, the program as a whole. So the eligibility for um, applicants, um, and these are relatively um, simple. Um, you need to, the applicant needs to be based in the UK. Um, they have to be involved in a social movement and that social movement has to be focused on uh, health and care. Um, there needs to be a demonstrable commitment to taking part in the program. It, this isn't just a financial support program. That's not the way that we work. Um, there will be um, a key part of the program is the practical engagement. And as I've said, it's being part of the cohort. So there has to be a demonstrable commitment to um, taking part in the activities and the, the development process that we plan for the year. Um, just in practical terms, um, they need to have a bank account and they need to be able to sign an agreement with Nesta uh, for funding. So this does not preclude individuals. You can um, uh, send in expressions of interest as an individual. Um, and if you were to proceed to the full application stage and to be successful, you'd have to set up a dedicated bank account. But other than that, there is no requirement in terms of being a constituted organization or a charity or anything like that. So um, uh, but we can, I'm sure there'll be some questions that will come in about that sort of issue. In terms of the thematic areas that we're looking at addressing, um, obviously our focus is on health and care. And so uh, we want to change the way that people experience health and care. And we are interested in movements that are uh, aiming to do just that. And we also uh, would distinguish that both in terms of the behaviors that constitute good health, but also the system and the way in which health is delivered. We're focused on health inequalities, uh, social justice and rights issues, um, and we would imagine that movements would 
um, also encompass addressing the wider determinants of health and well-being. We've identified uh, a series of selection criteria, and I'm just going to talk a little bit about those. Um, the first of these is motivation. So this is, uh, and this is important that these points come across in your expression of interest. Um, we would hope that um, if you are applying for the, the program that you are motivated by the issue that you are um, aiming to challenge or to change, and we would like that to come across. So demonstrating your motivation, what, um, uh, what drives you to be involved in this issue will be very important for us. Uh, secondly, it's very important for us to understand um, that you understand where this movement sits in terms of the way that health and care is delivered in the UK. So um, is the issue a marginalised issue? Um, is it, uh, or is it really an issue that somebody else is already addressing or that there is an organisation that could better um, uh, kind of carry this cause further forward? So we need to understand where your issue sits and perhaps why it uh, should be included in this program. Secondly, uh, thirdly, sorry, um, we need to really understand that it is a movement. So um, that is, uh, is likely to be demonstrated through the engagement that you have already with others with a shared interest and passion for this area. Um, so we would like some sense that there is um, uh, uh, a shift that you are trying to see and that there are others who are joining you on that. And to that end, that links to number four, which is about um, momentum. We'd like to have a sense of the fact that you are building. So uh, um, as Jackie mentioned earlier, talking about the cultural chasm, we would expect some steps to have already been taken uh, on your movement. Um, and we would like to have a sense that there is um, some progress being made and, the, and also a sense of where you want uh, things to go. We understand that movements are fluid and that things change and things can be messy, but we do hope that um, we would expect that people will have some vision of how they want to see change uh, in the world. Um, <clears throat> fifthly, we would like to um, uh, understand that applicants are willing and interested in measuring the impact that they have and the way in which they um, and their movement will um, uh, will monitor that impact and and are committed to helping us to measure the impact of involvement in the, the overall program. And then finally, um, it comes back to that point about the cohort and the sense of how uh, the willingness of um, applicants to commit to being part of a cohort and part of uh, the program and the way in which they feel that they will benefit particularly from the program. So important dates, and these are all on the website, so um, uh, hopefully you'll all be aware of them. But the deadline for expressions of interest is, as I said, next Friday at 10 a.m. Um, we will then review those expressions of interest and respond to everybody who applies, um, inviting some applicants to submit full applications, and you will hear either way by January the 18th. Uh, then at the end of January, um, we are going to be running workshops for uh, those applicants who are shortlisted. So I hope that you might be able to hold those dates. Those workshops will be happening in London. Um, attendance at the workshops is not obligatory um, and it will not be necessary to attend a workshop in order to submit a full application or be eligible for the full application. But we see these as an opportunity for 
um, applicants who perhaps uh, have uh, aligned um, areas of interest to engage with each other and to meet other people um, with a shared interest in particular aspects uh, of social movements um, and a way for us to sort of work with you on developing your second round application. So it's a great opportunity for people who are uh, through to that second round to meet other people and to sort of get some support with developing their second their full application. Full application deadline is uh, February the 18th. Um, and then we will spend the next two weeks reviewing those. And in early March, we will be in touch with people to inform them about whether they're successful. And those who are, um, the program will begin at the beginning of April. So uh, hopefully that's uh, addressed quite a few of your questions, um, but uh, I can see from the Q&A that there's quite a lot that's already been posted there. So I'm gonna pass back to Jackie to start to answer some of those questions. Thank you, Damien. Um, so we've had quite a load of questions coming in, which is wonderful. Um, please still continue to, to send your questions in. We will log them and address them. Um, just to answer a couple of um, quick ones, Ruth Bates asked whether we would be posting the presentation afterwards. Um, the answer is yes, we absolutely will. Um, as well as um, someone asked if we could also, um, Faye asked if we could post out the EOI expression of interest form, um, all of the questions spelled out so that people don't have to click through the application to see the questions. That's a really good point, and we absolutely um, can and, and will do that. Um, so jump, so just jump into um, some of the meteor um, questions here. Um, Delcy Ireland um, asks, can an institution set up a social movement? And um, this is a, a fantastic question. Um, and actually there are varying perspectives on who can actually start a social movement. So at our last event on November 20th here, um, and Nesta, we had quite a lively debate about do most social movements start from the grassroots or can someone in the system um, create a movement? Because there are numerous instances of people um, in the system, in positions of power, also starting quite successful social movements. So the answer to that would be that typically it's, it's people or groups of people from various vantage points around the system um, starting uh, movements or energy around issues that they, they care about. Um, so another question was from Nick Dixon, who um, says the definition of social movements was seemed to be wide, say from people rising up in anger about a failing in the system through to a system prompted approach to changing behavior around lifestyle. Do you embrace the spectrum of social movements? Um, our answer is absolutely yes. Um, there is in fact a growing um, body of work right now um, around lifestyle movements and how to promote lifestyle movements. So anyone out there working on behavior change would highly encourage you to look at that. Um, so those would be movements, for example, around um, the examples that are used are things like veganism. Um, I don't think there are any examples given in health, but obviously it could be anything around you know, healthy eating habits to exercise habits to social connection any movements that require individuals to make a change in their behavior. Um, let's see, so Sarah Marquise asks, um, will you consider supporting social movements which already have some funding but have not jumped the chasm yet? 
Um, the answer to that is yes, we will consider movements that have um, received funding from other sources. Um, as you can gather, it's very difficult to know whether a particular movement has jumped the chasm. Um, so we would be eager to hear from you how you, you see that. Do you feel like your movement has jumped the chasm? If so, why do you feel that way? If you feel it hasn't, why not? And whether you're on one side of the chasm at this stage doesn't really preclude you from, from applying. Um, let's see, moving through, these are great, great questions. Um, Francis Williams asks, have you decided how many social movements that you will support? Um, we know that we, we hope to support or intend to support up to seven, um, but it might be that we end up somewhere between you know, five and seven is what we, we estimate at this point. Let's see, uh, Stephen Platts asks, why are the institutional responses that you showed in one of the slides all negative? Is there not a strategy called embrace or encourage or something similar? Um, that is a very, very good point. Um, there's a whole spectrum and range of ways that institutions can respond positively to social movements. So um, we all need to go in and suggest that that framework be adapted and changed to encourage those um, responses. So there would obviously be things around providing space for experimentation, for example, or supporting social movements with grants or other sources of funding. I'm just going to pick up on a couple of the other more practical questions that have come in. So um, uh, Violaine Pierre asks uh, how many teams will be asked for full applications. In the spirit of candor, we don't know. Um, to be quite honest, we'll be uh, responding to all the strong applications. Um, but there may also be the opportunity for some um, applicants to be uh, connected with other applica applicants where there's a similar uh, um, area of interest or a crossover. And that perhaps relates to a question that Francis Williams raised, um, asking if there was the potential for you to join campaigns or applicants. Certainly, I, I certainly think if you are passionate and interested and engaged in a particular area, then you should submit an expression of interest. and. Um, if you can define that area and perhaps demonstrate how you are connected to other people already working in that area, we will help to um, put you in uh, touch with other people with a shared interest. Um, uh, so looking on to the next questions. Um, Neil Crowther, you've asked about the report on social movements. I might leave Jackie to respond to that one. Um, uh, Steve Coslin, you've asked about a common evaluation framework, including establishing a baseline. Um, we're, we're very much recognizing that each movement will um, have a very different shape and structure and potentially be, um, uh, so in terms of kind of measuring them, that in a way it's a bit like measuring apples and oranges. And we will try to create quite a bespoke program for each movement and certainly the evaluation and monitoring will also be bespoke. So. Um, we will be looking at the overall impact of the whole program, but each movement will have a different kind of evaluation and monitoring uh, process. Um, so, Louisa Hancocks, you've asked, uh, does the social movement have to be national or can it be a regional aspiration for behaviour change? The short answer to that is absolutely it can. Um, we, uh, it could even be a very local um, and focused um, movement. So we're fully anticipating applications from uh, all around the country, um, uh, all around the UK, 
Um, and certainly there'll be um, the room for different um, uh, uh, kind of um, aspirations in terms of impact. Um, uh, Helen Louise Smith, you've asked, uh, are programs movements that already have funding eligible? Um, and that, that's definitely true. Um, we um, will not be um, assessing the, the level of funding that movements already have. Um, we're interested in um, support in, in applications from uh, a range of movements at different scales and with different levels of funding. Um, Michael Connors, you've asked a practical question about the realizing the value program. Um, uh, um, to be honest, the short answer is that the, this is a standalone program, and so it sits aside from any other programs that Nestor or the Dunhill Medical Trust are, are running. Um, but we are um, we're also um, uh, very um, kind of connected to other work that's happening around um, uh, around um, Nesta. So um, so yes. And you ask a subsequent question about considering regional sections of a greater national global movement. Certainly, we're aware that movements um, are shaped and formed in different ways and um, at different speeds in different places. And so, um, yeah, we would definitely be um, be open to supporting, for example, a movement in a particular geographical area where it's particularly unestablished, where maybe it has got um, uh, developed, further developed in other areas. Um, now, the next question. Um, Francis Williams, you've asked, uh, actually, I'm going to pass back to Jackie because there's a couple of questions about research. Um, so I'm going to hand over to her. Hello. Um, so, Francis, yes, you ask about um, for us to talk a bit about the role of research. Um, the program itself is very much informed by existing gaps in both social movement and innovation research. In fact, um, health is a, is a fairly underrepresented area, surprisingly enough, within social movement research. Um, there, there's an interesting, actually, paper on that, because if you think of many of the largest movements out there, many of them are health-related, like HIV and AIDS and breast cancer that we often think of. But it turns out health is often kind of a secondary um, issue area within social movement research. Um, along with informing the program, we, we are looking at um, two things related to research. The first is a learning agenda, um, basically around how can we, we learn together about the, what, what valuable support means um, for funding organizations to support social movements and for us to go through um, that journey together. Um, it's equally also about evaluation and developing new methods and approaches um, for movements to evaluate their work, um, but also recognizing that movements might already have ways um, that you are measuring your work. And so that's why, as Damien mentioned earlier, that we want to be mindful that every group is going to come with a different set of needs um, in terms of evaluation, in terms of the types of questions they also might be looking to answer. So we often come across movements that are, are needing and interested to generate evidence. Um, so for example, we've spoken a lot with the rare disease movement. Um, and so recognizing that there can be resources to connect groups up to if that's something that you are involved in or interested in doing. Um, by the way, I just want to say that we are, I feel like we're glossing over um, many different nuances of uh, detail that we could add around 
um, the questions. So someone did ask here, we're going to be posting um, some of the responses or at least the, the questions here. Um, and the answer is, is yes. Um, Ruth Rigby at the beginning of the conversation asked, presumably an institution can support the social movement. Um, our answer of course is, is yes. Um, it is the premise in which the, this particular program is, is also built. And there are numerous examples out there of institutions, funding organizations, networks, supporting social movements. Um, let's see, uh, Neil, Neil Crother, you ask about um, your report on social movements identifies the crucial role of messaging and the role that flame framing can play in ensuring messages reach the mainstream and help build movements. Did you identify instances where the process of shared storytelling was used to either consolidate or build a movement at its early stages to arrive at what Frameworks calls the untranslated story um, and or your involvement in the research stages that are involved in framing? Also, is support with framing likely to be available in addition to the grant? Thanks, Neil. Social, how and social care futures. Um, Yes, so framing is, especially with movements that are emerging, an extremely um, essential skill for movements to be able to gain support for their initiatives, but also to be able to um, generate narratives as well as, as well as build empathy around what some of the shared um, issues are that people in movements are looking to address. Um, as you mentioned, the Frameworks Institute has an incredible wealth of information on their website for other people who are interested that they do trainings on how to do communications research related to social movements. Um, I would also recommend and say that um, in addition to communications research and, and um, there are different ranges of research that can be done um, on framing. So from very rigorous academic research to also taking more of a design or human-centered design-led approach where messages um, are tried out and tested with people, even in conversations in coffee shops or you know, at dinner tables. Um, a great example of a movement that used framing in the past very effectively was the breast cancer movement. Um, so when we look at you know, the phrase that we all know of that something is one of the biggest public health issues that ever existed, that actually came from the breast cancer movement and is being used by numerous groups as we know afterwards. Um, so initially that particular frame was used by the breast cancer movement to get a tremendous and garner support for a tremendous amount of um, uh, support for research funding. Um, but later the movement actually used various other frames. Um, uh, for example, they used a gen gender equity frame to be able to get more funding for um, research on the condition and to be able to break the stigma that women were facing who had the disease at that time. So I think one crucial thing to recognize is um, oftentimes there is kind of a master frame that movements will, will promote at various points in time and that ma master frame can change, but um, individual frames within that master frame are used also to engage um, various groups. Um, this last point kind of under this, this category is also about, relates to the last one about evidence and research. Um, uh, we think, but we still need to find out that it was Paul Bate, which some people are probably very familiar with who has worked a lot with social movements, um, that proposed the idea of kind of the twin chariot or the twin horse, um, which is basically the idea that movements need both narratives and stories, um, as well as 
evidence and that they need to deploy evidence and stories at various periods of time and in various ways. Um, so I thought that framework was actually quite helpful as well. Um, Ruth Allen um, asked, would you consider a new and focused passionate alliance of campaign groups, users of services, professionals, and academics slash researchers? The answer is um, absolutely yes. So as Damien said earlier, we are considering applications from um, individuals of informal groups, unconstituted groups, um, and those groups can be composed of a variety of diverse set of individuals. I'm going to pass it off to Damien now. Great, thanks Jackie. Um, uh, Francis, um, thank you for your comment about Wales being in the loop. Yes, definitely. And in fact, um, just to mention that uh, I'm running a workshop in Cardiff on um, Friday, if people want to come along and talk about social movements. And Jackie will be running uh, a similar workshop next Monday in Manchester. So uh, you can still sign up for those workshops on the website. <clears throat> um, uh, Violaine, uh, you've asked a question about startups for profit supplying, um, if they want to build a social movement. Definitely that's true. I mean, we talked about motivation as one of the criteria and um, obviously profit would not be, if profit was the sole motivation of the movement, then I suspect um, the application would be unsuccessful. But, but certainly, as we've said, we're, we're open to all types of organization or individual or applicant from any kind of background. So um, you wouldn't be ruled out if you're an application for profit. Um, Ruth uh, Allen, you've asked a question saying, will you aim for a purposeful mix of different types of social movement? Um, yes, we fully expect to have a, a range of, of types of social movement and also of issues that people will address um, through their work. Um, so um, it, there will be a bit of cohort building from our part. And there, as I mentioned earlier, there may well be the opportunity for us to connect uh, people who we feel have similarly or aligned areas of interest um, in order to um, maximize the investment that we can make. Um, Steve Goslin, you've asked, uh, you've raised a point which says one year is a short time for this type of work. Will you be assessing bids against their ideas? Uh, and that's definitely true. Um, we we think that um, uh, we're expecting some movements that are at very early stages and some that have maybe um, got a bit of kind of bit more momentum behind them. Um, and we will be with each um, application and each successful application will be creating um, a specific set of criteria against each one. Um, so uh, just moving on, um, I think there's a question about um, the Dunhill Medical Trust vision, so I'm going to pass over to Sarah. Hello, yes, there's a question from Michael Connors about um, what is the Dunhill Medical Trust vision for this programme. I think basically our vision is to learn how to support community-based organisations in the best way possible, to learn what matters to them and what support they need to help us inform our future programmes as to how best we can support you. Um, I think that probably would answer the question. Um, who's taking the next one? Becky. Um, apologies if this one was answered before, but I don't think Stephen Platts. Does having institutional support add weight to our bid? Um, so, I mean, basically the question around um, momentum is really intended to get at 
what support have you mobilized so far for your particular initiative? So that support could take a range um, of forms from you know, a very large participating group of people who are you're working together informally with to um, networks that you might be um, building or um, widening to institutional support, for example, to other sources of funding. Um, so really that just plays into um, we want kind of a picture of all the types of support that you you have garnered so far. So I suppose that would weigh into um, yes, but also recognizing that um, it also depends on what you are looking to change and the goals that your individual movement has. Um, because if your goal is to change the institution that you're looking to get support from, then you might not be there yet if you are in the early stages. So we'll take all those things obviously into consideration. Um, let's see. So I still have a few questions to get through and please continue to still um, send your questions in if you have more questions. I think we have about five more to answer. So we still have time. Um, let's see. So we have a question from Hannah um, Chamberlain. We are a company who has a strong social mission and are drawing on mental health campaigns and our experience to drive forward an agenda which celebrates peer expertise to replace the us and them culture and mental health with only us. Are we eligible as a well-connected SME and startup, but not a CIC, for example? Um, so we are trying to look for um, groups that are joining up with other um, initiatives and groups. So groups that do span organizational boundaries rather than supporting individual organizations. Um, with that being said, as many movements formalize, they oftentimes do need to create social movement organizations or SMEs or startups, as you mentioned, to be able to basically um, serve certain functions within the movement. So, for example, a movement might spawn or create a, a campaigning organization, for example. Um, so I would say it, it also depends on how early stage your particular SME and startup is. Um, as well as you know, the extent to which you're also working with groups outside of that particular initiative. Um, uh, this is Damien again, just responding to Jan Wormsley's question about um, the extent to which, uh, to what the definition of health that we're applying. I mean, I think essentially um, we're, we're very interested in health inequalities and the wider determinants of health. Um, and uh, I think as a broad outline, I would recommend looking at the World Health Organization's definition of health. Um, um, so uh, we are very open to all aspects of uh, physical and mental health and well-being. So uh, it's a fairly broad definition. Uh, there's a question there from Francis Williams about um, would funding in part cover company costs? Uh, definitely, we're expecting funding to um, include people's time and overheads and so on. Um, and in the second round application, there will be an opportunity for uh, movements to identify um, how they would imagine um, the grant being spent. Uh, just looking ahead, so uh, Louisa Hancocks, you've asked us to say a little bit about the cohort of social move movement makers you're aiming to create through this fund and how you can demonstrate your contribution to this. Um, we're very open at the moment. Um, I think as uh, Jackie and Sarah said, it's quite an experimental uh, program for us, this and 
Um, so we don't really have a predetermined sense of the cohort of, of movement makers. We are anticipating there to be movements that are covering a range of health conditions and health outcomes. Um, and we're expecting these to include different aspects of the life course. Um, but we are very open. I think the main thing that we want to get a sense of from people's applications is that they are open to collaboration because collaboration is obviously at the heart of social movements and that will be an important part of the of the program so a sense of how um, the experiences that uh, you as people involved in social movements have and what you can contribute uh, to um, the other participants in the program will be really helpful because uh, we work very much on the basis that the experts are the people who will be supporting rather than we ourselves having all the expertise. Um, George Woods, you've asked a question about uh, how important to you is the participation and leadership of those most directly affected by the issue the applicant is working on? Fundamentally, that is um, um, what Nesta's health lab works towards. So Jackie mentioned our uh, approach of people-powered health. And um, it will be essential to us that there is um, uh, a, a key part played by people <clears throat> with lived experience. Um, having said that, um, we're conscious that um, applications could come from people with a range of um, backgrounds and perspectives on the particular issue. So if you're um, a clinician or a health professional and you uh, are working to um, achieve change in the way that we've outlined as part of the program, then that would absolutely be valid. Um, but fundamentally, one of the things that we would expect to work with movements um, through the year is on helping to strengthen and raise the volume of the participant voice in their social movement. I'm just going to pass back to Jackie because I think there's one or two questions that um, she may have picked up that we might have missed. Yes, and please do, um, if you, if there are other questions that we have missed, I typed in who we're still getting to, but please, um, if you could type your question again, that way we don't miss it. Um, Michael Connors asks, um, is this project going to be informing innovation in the NHS? Um, I suppose indirectly, yes, in the sense that, um, you know, all of us will be looking together at social movements as mechanisms of change. And we very much see social movements being a source of innovation um, in the NHS, but that is not a primary goal necessarily of the program. Um, George Woods, we answered your question, I believe, yes. And um, Jan Walmsley asked, um, uh, I think you might have missed my question. I'm sorry about that, Jan. Um, on how far does health extend, for example, to, oh, Damien answered that, great, I've gotten that, and now I'm going to look at the chat to see if there's anyone else who's um, still missing, let me see. Uh, yes, okay, Jacqueline um, Cutting asked that, um, I'd like to find out more about how far developed the idea or actual social movement has to be to qualify for this program. Um, so we are looking for very early stage groups. Um, so, I mean, we imagine a situation where a group, a group of people has, have already gotten together um, in an informal way. You might still be an informal group. You might have evolved into calling yourself something. Um, 
less possibly the idea of what you actually want to do, but at least a mission of what you're hoping to achieve with your social movement. Um, and then in the application, we ask, ask groups to specify what activities they have engaged in so, so far to build the momentum and energy around their social movements. So I hope that answers your question there. Um, Ruth Allen also asks, how will you evaluate um, the likely impact of a proposal? Um, there's a question actually in the application form because we're hoping that um, you will have a handle on how you see um, how you'll evaluate the impact of your social movement. Um, and obviously, you know, in terms of the program groups that get accepted into the program, we'll have resources that we'll be able to tap and design around um, helping to kind of support and evolve your, your ways of evaluation and measurement. Um, Let's see, we have from Hannah um, Chamberlain. Can you make sure to, yes, the question about system change in such a short time. Can we measure our impact on our users' individual mental health, but our impact as a movement is in celebrating the value of lived expertise in mental health? This is a really um, important question because what we see often is that um, movements often have, you know, a goal or what we call their own change program. So movements are obviously existing to be able to change something. And that there's a difference between measuring the change that a movement is looking to have and measuring the impact of the movement itself. Um, and there's been less work done on how to actually measure the influence of a movement itself. So our goal with this program would be to get into that area um, with the cohort of people who are part of the program and actually have that be a challenging question to ourselves about how to do those two things in tandem. Um, let's see, so we have from Kerry, does the fund prioritize campaign and profile raising activity above um, hands-on multi-component community engagement? Um, I would say no. Um, we're looking at of the whole variety and spectrum of activities that movements would engage in to be able to raise their profile, but also be able to influence um, power and see the change that they hope to see in the world. Um, so I hope that answers that question. And um, I think that is just about it. But please, if we've missed your question, please we'll wait just a couple of minutes here to see if anybody has any other questions or if we've missed yours, please do type in. Going once. <laughs> I think someone might be typing, so we're waiting. Yes, thank you. Thank you all. Getting a lot of thanks being sent in. Great, yes. Steve is reminding us of seeing the EI questions all in one list, so we will absolutely do that. So with the uh, expression of interest questions, we will get those posted up on the website alongside the uh, recording of this webinar. So um, if you visit our website, it'll probably be tomorrow, but um, that should all be available there. Um, if you do have any particular queries that we haven't answered in this um, uh, webinar, or if things occur to you afterwards, then do please um, email. Uh, the emails should be on your screen, but it's socialmovementsinquiries at nesta.org.uk. 
Um, Louisa, you've just asked a question about the workshops and yes, I mean, this is the content that we're planning to deliver in the workshops, but we're also seeing the workshops as an opportunity for people to network with each other. So um, if you are local to Cardiff or Manchester, um, then I would recommend um, coming along because you'll meet people with kind of similar aspirations and ambitions. Um, but yes, in terms of content, there won't be any additional material. I think that's a wrap. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's a couple so, more questions coming in. Oh, a couple more um, questions. But no, I think, yeah, no, I think it's just comments, just people signing off really. So um, we're just about out of time as well. So I think, um, I think we're good to say goodbye. So yeah, thank you all for listening. Um, and um, do keep in touch. And as I say, do email us if you've got any queries. Thank you so much. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.